0: there creatives uh this is Raina, and um it's been a crazy hectic uh few weeks for me i've been moving my practice um plus hosting a really amazing training um mastering the meaning of mandalas taught by carol cox and amy bucciarelli and um which was amazing uh but in all of the overwhelm, I don't have a new episode to release to you all this week. So I thought, you know, what's really relevant? Um, well, recently in this move, I ended up working with a realtor uh, who represents um, healthcare care practitioners when they're looking to lease or buy. Um, a property, commercial property. And it was an interesting experience um, for me. I had no idea that that was even possible until I spoke with uh, Colin Carr, whose um, episode we're going to do an encore of today. Um, And that's where I learned that, you know, the realtors that uh, represent the a landlord can't really help you as a potential um, leasee. And that it's beneficial for us to work with somebody who can advocate and negotiate for us and kind of understands that process. And um, it, was, it was a good experience. Honestly, one of the best parts I think for me was the fact that I didn't have to do all of the searching. Um, He found the different properties and really screened for the criteria that I was looking for. Um, So that was helpful. And in the end, I ended up staying in the same office park uh, where I have been for the past six years, uh, but moved into a a slightly larger space. it was still helpful because of how he was able to go back and forth to um, get some things that I really wanted that otherwise I, I wouldn't have known that I could have even asked for myself. Um, so I thought, you know what? This would be a great encore episode. Uh, so without further ado, here is uh, a replay of the episode with Colin Carr, which is all about uh, working with a realtor. And as a matter of
1: The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of The Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi.
2: Thanks for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm really excited to welcome our next guest today. His name is Colin Carr, and Colin is a real estate expert, so not somebody that we typically have on the show, but I think you're going to really find value in um, some of the wisdom he has to share with us. He has successfully completed over a thousand commercial real estate transactions while saving his clients hundreds of millions of dollars. That's a significant amount of money. And he founded and scaled car. C-A-R-R, a a nationwide commercial real estate company to specifically represent the needs and interests of healthcare providers. He's mastered several niches in the healthcare real estate industry and is passionate about helping others maximize their profitability through real estate. In 2009, when Colin founded Carr, Their no conflicts of interest approach of not representing landlords and sellers was an idea that was met with open arms from hundreds of dentists, physicians, veterinarians, optometrists, and other healthcare providers. Today, Car is the nation's leading healthcare real estate advisor with a team of experts that span coast to coast. Welcome, Colin. Thank you so much for making time out of your busy day to, to speak with me today.
3: Absolutely. I I, I appreciate being here.
2: So, if we were to jump right in and go into, say, the top five things that therapists that are going out to operate their own private practice and they're looking to lease or purchase real estate to operate their practice, what would be the top five things that they need to consider? Um, as they approach this for the first
3: time. Absolutely. So I would start with the idea that most people take an approach to, ne- to negotiating um, that's really just kind of bartering. It, it's kind of the back and forth. It's the split the baby. You know, synonymous with several other ways of describing it. But it's you know they get it. They get an offer for a space, and their inclination is to ask for less less, you know, payment they, to ask for more free rent, to ask for more tenant improvement allowance or whatever it is. And so that's how people negotiate. It's, it's, you know, you go to buy something and no matter what the price is, if it's a great price, if it's an average price, you don't really know, you just see if you can get a better deal. And there's a much better approach to commercial real estate than just asking for a better deal or hoping to get a better deal by, by asking for less. And that is to, have multiple options that you are comparing each to the other. And so what that looks like in commercial real estate and what we typically recommend is when you're looking at it, your options, get out there and look at your top five or six or seven properties that meet your criteria. And mm-hmm. then negotiate. It's, it's common in commercial real estate to negotiate on three or four properties simultaneously. And that's different than residential real estate. Typically in residential real estate, you find one house you like, you submit a contract and you go after that one property. And that's typically where the, the, the bartering comes back and forth. In commercial real estate, it's very common to do what's what's considered a non-binding letter of intent or a non-binding request for proposal. And it's very common to negotiate with three or four landlords simultaneously because there's a lot more variables when it comes to commercial real estate than there are typically with residential real estate. And so that's where most people make a mistake is they find one property uh, it meets some of their criteria they like it, and it could be their top option. At the end of the day, it could still be where they end up choosing to office. But the problem is, is they don't have a benchmark or a standard to compare it to. And so they, they engage a landlord, they start negotiating, they get an offer, they go back and forth, but they don't know how that offer compares to other properties. They don't know if other mm-hmm. the area are going to be more competitive or be more willing to push harder for that deal. And so you don't really have a, a comparison. It's kind of like saying, hey, how tall is that is that building over there? And you don't have any way to measure it. You don't have any way to, I'm not sure if that building's 40 feet or 50 feet. Well, if you're in commercial real estate and you negotiate with three or four landlords, and three out of the four landlords are willing to give you a certain lease rate or a certain free rent package or a certain, t- a certain tenant rep allowance uh, or tenant improvement allowance, excuse me. Uh, you, you get an understanding of this is a good deal or a bad deal and you're not just bartering, you're actually negotiating based upon facts.
2: Mm-hmm. I see. So it's helpful to be really looking at lots of properties um, and, and comparing with the landlord directly as to what they can do for you as you're moving into a space
3: yeah, I mean, another way to say it, and again, every market's different. if If you're in Orange County and you want to be in a certain area, you, you might only have two or three properties that even come close to fitting your needs because it's such a competitive market. If you're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you might be able to find ten buildings that fit your your criteria. So it just depends on the market you're in, but I think that the summary of that last point would be you need to make sure that you have more than one option that you're looking at and you need to negotiate with more than one property. Otherwise you don't have, you don't have a benchmark to measure it against. Mm -hmm.
2: Excellent. What are some, what are some kind of standard um, ways that people might negotiate uh, on their lease? So if you're saying like a free rent package or um, negotiating for a lower rate, um, what would be something that, the lesser would have to give up in order to achieve that.
3: So that depends on uh, how competitive the market, it depends on how desirable the building, and a lot of times it depends on what type of space. It, 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 in this situation, if you have a therapist that has a, a very small space, there's only one space available in the building, it's always, it always leases up quickly, you're going to have less ability to negotiate on that space because it's more in demand. If you are in a metro area that has, you know, maybe one of the buildings you're looking at has, you know, 15, 20, 30 units in it, and there's multiple vacancies, and maybe it's more of a specialized space, or you'd like to make it more of a specialized space, and you're willing to commit to a longer term lease, maybe a five or seven or 10 year lease, you're going to have the ability to negotiate more concessions. And so typically, you know, most office leases are usually around five years, They, they go seven years, they go 10 years, they go 15, they also go, you know, one-year terms, three-year terms, but on average, they're on five-year terms. Uh, it depends right. on how specialized the, the need is or the uses. is, uh, but the reality is most landlords are willing to contribute in the form of, of a couple months of free rent to attract a new tenant. Uh, they know that, that, that tenants have, have moving costs typically, or even if it's a startup, they have startup costs. So most landlords are willing to look at some free rent they're willing to look at concessions like you know getting the space cleaned up, whether that's new flooring, new paint, you know updated ceiling tiles, updated lighting, um, updated uh, you know window treatments, stuff like that. And so it depends on what's the quality of the space, how much money's been put into it. Um, you know, the different types of landlords also affected. If you have more of like a like an independent, you know, people would call like a a, a mom and pop type landlord that that aren't very savvy. They might have less desire to put money into a space, but if you get an institutional uh, property or institutional-owned property where it's a savvy landlord that owns lots of properties, they're used to attracting new tenants by giving mm-hmm. them a nice space that's cleaned up, by giving them you know, better lease rates, by giving them free rent, and they try to attract people to get good deals.
2: Yeah. I, I think that is definitely um a learning curve. If you've never rented commercial property before, I know when I first started, I was like, oh, I was surprised by the length of the terms, right? That that the most of the places I was looking at wouldn't rent for a year long term. Um they were requiring three or more years. And um, but they were willing to make some improvements and give some free rent and things like that, or kind of tack it on to the lease. So for example, um, I got a few months free, but that was in addition to my three-year contract. So I still had the three years plus three months or something like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, really, if you can get free rent, whether it's free rent, deferred rent, abated rent, those are all synonymous. They have a little bit different meaning, but they're for the most part mean the same thing. Um, You know, the bottom line is if you can avoid paying rent for the first two, three, four months of a lease term, or if that helps offset your moving costs and getting, you know, phone switched over and internet hooked up and and your furniture moved, I mean, that's great. So anytime you can defer those payments from a cash flow standpoint, it's going to help you out. And whether they tack it on at the end and it's three years, three months, if you're not paying for three, four months, you're not paying for three, four months. So it's, it's highly desirable.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree because there are a lot of upfront costs and even when you're moving from office to office, there's a lot of costs in that as well. So anywhere you can save is great. So the first thing is um, negotiate with multiple landlords Um for buildings that have the potential needs that you're looking for. What would be the second thing or the second top thing that somebody would need to um, know about to help them in their like lease renewal or obtaining a new lease?
3: Yeah, let, let's take the topic of lease renewals. And it goes back to a similar concept as the first point, but we'll, we'll bring out a couple of differences. Most people uh, that are in a lease renewal just assume, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay there. I'm not going to move. And most landlords assume the person's not going to move either. Once someone's in a commercial space, they just assume that even if they want to move or it's not the most ideal space, they just assume they're going to stay there. And so what that does is that creates a, a posture for the landlord to where They believe they have the upper hand in the negotiation of the transaction. So, um, what what you see a lot of times is people will they won't give themselves enough time with the lease renewal. You know, the landlord will wait to the last minute, and then all of a sudden, the tenant feels like they don't have enough time to move, and so the landlord feels like they might have them trapped, and they can charge them more. Mm -hmm. Um, The landlord feels a lot of times that if the tenant's not willing to move or doesn't want to move, that they can charge them a higher lease rate because of that, and they can also give them. No or less concessions, and so uh, when you look at commercial real estate, lease renewals are actually the number one transaction in all of real estate. for every new office for every every new person that occupies a new space there's there's uh, exponentially more lease renewals that happen. Why because it's easier to stay put than it is to move so I mm-hmm. think the second tip I'd tell people when it comes to you know what should you watch out for is you've got to treat your lease renewal. Uh, as if you are willing to move and you want to move and you have multiple options to move, and if you do that, you create an atmosphere to where the landlord has to compete for your business at that point. For instance, if the landlord thought that you are not going to stay and you're going to move out unless they give you a competitive lease rate, they're going to give you a competitive lease rate because they know they're going to have to give the next tenant a competitive lease rate. Mm-hmm. If out of the space and the landlord knows for a fact they're going to have to, you know, redo the flooring repaint the space, make some upgrades to it, then why wouldn't you as the existing tenant get those same concessions if you're gonna stay in the space? If they treat a new tenant better and give them more, why wouldn't you get that if you've been faithful in the space and you've been a great tenant for the last three, five, or 10 years?
1: florida art therapy services is a proud sponsor of the tcp podcast they offer art therapy for individuals and groups as well as qualified supervision services and high quality experiential driven continuing education for art therapists mental health counselors and clinical social workers visit www.floridaarttherapyservices.com for more information and if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the creative psychotherapist podcast We have copper, silver, and gold options. So visit www.creativeclinicianscorner.com forward slash podcast for more information.
3: The the second concept is is just the idea that when you're dealing with a lease renewal, you've got to start it with enough time in advance. You've got to know what your options are and have other options or other properties that are in consideration. And, And it's the same concept. You have to negotiate with other properties because then you have a benchmark to compare your current property with and the current terms. And if you're paying, you know, just throw out a number. Let's, let's say you're paying $20 a square foot in your current space, but the top two or three other properties nearby would only charge you $16 or $17 a square foot. You now have viable comps and ammunition to use during that negotiation to get your lease rate back down to where it should be versus just continuing on and, and paying an above market lease rate uh, with the landlord thinking that you don't have any other options.
2: hmm you know, I know once you brought up the price per square footage, it made me think of when I was first starting out and how confused I was, um, because there are some landlords that have a set fee and that fee covers everything. And then there's others that have a cam fee and it's almost like, an um, one of those mortgages that the rates on the cam fee can change throughout the course of your lease. So you don't have um, like knowledge going in what your monthly expenses are going to be. Can you speak a little bit about kind of those aspects of the commercial real estate, which is very different from um, regular real estate?
3: Yeah, we can actually make that the, the, the third concept, I and mean, we can make that the idea that uh, people are entering into transactions without a thorough understanding of what they're actually agreeing to. And what that looks like, as you mentioned, is uh, there are multiple ways that leases can be structured, and and then there's infinite numbers of way that ways that leases can be written. And so there's no there's no governing body like there is in residential where it says you know lenders can or cannot do certain things. I mean there's there's guidelines with fair housing, there's guidelines with, with truth in lending, and there's all these concepts with residential real estate when it's your primary home that, that help create uh, systems and protocols and, and best practices, and it protects the public. In commercial real estate, there are, there are different things that protect the public when it comes to real estate law, but when it comes to the actual lease agreement, there's no standard lease in most markets, there's some cities, there's some states that have come together and said, hey, let's try to create a template lease, but the majority of landlords don't abide by those. They wanna use their own lease. That's more uh, favorable to them. So what that means is you get you can get a lease that's 20 pages, you can get a lease that's 60 pages, you can get a lease that's 100 pages long. And every lease is different and every lease is structured differently. So long story short, what I'd say is this, is you just have to understand what type of lease you're entering and what your obligations are. And then there's gonna be the natural question of, well, what can I do to protect myself? And there's usually things that you can negotiate in your favor that help uh, limit just kind of an, a, an open checkbook for the future. The landlord can charge you whatever he wants to. Uh, it helps to get a lease where you know what you're getting into, and then there's some parameters there for what you are responsible for or what you're not responsible for. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I I think it's really confusing when there's like the two rates um, where they'll advertise, yeah, it's $16 uh, a foot or square foot, and then you come in and there's that rate, but then there's another fee on top of that, um, which does feel kind of slimy because the marketing makes it look like, oh, there's potential for a small business person to get into a space. And then when you start figuring it out, you're like, no, I can't, Uh, because the CAM fee is close to what the advertised fee is.
3: Yeah. It's important to know what you're getting into. And and there's some properties where if you understand what the costs are, you just say, hey, I can't afford that. And that's okay. There's there's almost always going to be a property that's too expensive. And and that's part of real estate. There's almost always, you know, mm-hmm. home that's too expensive, or a car that's too expensive, or a vacay. I mean, there's there's certain things you have to work in with, with the budget. But the most important thing is just knowing what you're getting into. And if it is sixteen plus eight, or sixteen plus twelve, or sixteen plus sixteen, you have to have that information up front. And if you do, then you can make an informed decision.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, what would you say the
3: fourth must know? Would be. Um, I would say uh, I would say not getting market information. And again, you you could rework these numbers as far as what's most important depending on your, on your situation. But uh, one of the other common areas that I see is is not getting your market information from colleagues or peers. A lot of people, what they'll do is they will will get ready to do a lease renewal or maybe they get ready to sign a new lease, and they'll go ask somebody in the building, you know, hey, what are you paying, or what does it look like. And they'll just assume that because somebody's paying that, whether it's a new building and a person you've never met before, or whether it's your current building and you know the neighbor down the hall has been there for 20 years, and you ask them what they've been paying or what they're paying currently, and they tell you, and then you make it a determination of what is a fair deal or a good deal just because of what someone else is paying. Mm-hmm. And the is the reason that's a mistake is most most smaller tenants are not professionally represented, or at least at the level they should be, and they're much more prone to making you know, bad decisions or taking terms that are not as favorable. And you have to ask yourself the question, if it was a larger sophisticated tenant, regardless of what size space it is, but let's say it was, let's say it was a, national, uh, a national law firm, or it was a national financial advisor, if, if Charles Schwab was gonna take down a space, or Merrill Lynch was gonna leave space in the building, or as a large oil and gas firm, whatever, they're not gonna go in there without representation, number one. They're not gonna go in there without having done their homework and they're gonna have multiple properties and multiple options they negotiate with because that's the savvy way you do real estate. That's how the big companies do it. And so the challenges for a lot of smaller companies is, or sole practitioners, et cetera, is they don't have that same savvy, they don't have the same approach. What they do is they go and ask their neighbor, hey, what are you paying or you know what did you get last time you leased here, and then typically the, le- the 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 tenant you know regurgitates some deal or offer that's lukewarm at best or average, and the the person asking the question assumes that's a that's a fair deal. It could be that they just had a terrible approach, they had a terrible negotiation, they didn't have the right timing, they didn't have any their options, and they just took what they thought was the best deal they can get. But that's not necessarily what you should base your uh, your decision on is what they got
2: mm-hmm. so if somebody were seeking representation um, to go into lease negotiations or to go into an initial lease how how would they um, find somebody to represent them and um, and what would that look like? Are we talking about representation from a lawyer? Are we talking about representation from a realtor or per- perhaps both?
3: Yeah, a- absolutely. So I would tell you, I would tell you both. And, and here's what I'd say. Uh, a, a good real estate agent, a good real estate advisor should not be uh, reading a lease and interpreting it to you because that's against the law in most states. That's considered practicing law. And, and on the other side of the table, a good real estate attorney should not be tr- be trying to figure out what a market tenant improvement allowances or how much free rent you should be giving because that's not what they do. You know, attorneys sit behind desks and, and just crank on their computer and phones all day long. They're not in the market, they're not they're not perusing the databases, they're not seeing properties, they're not negotiating with landlords. And so it's really not either or it's exactly what you said, it's both. You wanna have somebody that can help you on the real estate side, understand your options uh, evaluate the different properties and then actually negotiate the most favorable terms possible. And then once you agree to terms, then you need the attorney to step in and actually make sure that what was negotiated ends up in the lease and that you're not overly exposed with that lease agreement, that you actually have some protections in there for yourself as well. And that, you know, what you're getting into when going back to the original question of, uh, how do you find them? Uh, there's a couple, a couple ways that typically you would, you would find uh, a good real estate agent that would be able to refer to you a handful of different attorneys that specialize in commercial real estate and can help you navigate that contract. When you're looking at attorneys, it's important not to use an attorney that doesn't have savvy when it comes to commercial real estate. For instance, you know, there's lots of different types of attorneys. Like, yeah. You know, it's hey, my, you know my brother-in-law does family law in Iowa, but this is a commercial real estate transaction in San Diego. It's it's are they are they able to read the document? Are they intelligent? There's no question, but are they really qualified to help you there? The answer is probably not. And so if you're dealing with a commercial real estate lease, you want to have a commercial real estate attorney that specializes in real estate that ha- helps with it. For a couple of reasons. One, they're going to get through it faster, which means you're gonna pay less for it. Two, they're not going to ask for stuff that's wasting people's time, so that's going to cost you less as well and then three, they actually know what to ask for, which protects you, which is the ultimate goal so mm-hmm. a lot of times the real estate person will be able to will be able to uh, recommend a couple of attorneys that you could talk to and you could pick the one that you feel the most comfortable with
2: well uh, i want to I want to stop you there and talk to you about that because what I encountered was when both times i've been Um, out looking on the market for my business, the realtors that I ended up working with worked for the landlords. Um, They would, you know, show me properties that, uh, you know, their company managed. And so it was awkward because it was like almost as if their alliance was to the Landlord, and not necessarily to me as the lesser. Does that make sense?
3: Absolutely, and that's the most common theme in real estate. The, the question is, who is the real estate agent actually working for? And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's the foundation. Like that's got to be the first question. If if you show up to a property and you're talking to the listing agent, they have a they have a legal obligation. They have a fiduciary to the landlord to get them the best possible terms and they owe their loyalty and obedience those are actually real estate terms wow they owe their loyalty and obedience and they have a fiduciary to the landlord to help them maximize their profitability and it's no different than an attorney an attorney has a fiduciary to their client to help protect their client so there's nothing wrong with that what it just means is you need to have somebody on your side that can help you with the process So it's no different than if you go to court, you have to assume the other person on their side, they're looking out for their interests. Uh, They might want to find a compromise or get a deal done, but it's going to lean in their favor. It's no different in real estate. If you're dealing with real estate, each person wants the best deal. And and again, don't think, I mean, there's landlords that are obviously not that great of people. There's listing brokers that aren't that great either. But the reality is, is that if you were to put yourself in their shoes, you'd want the highest lease rate you'd want to be as profitable as possible. If you had a rental property, you'd want it to be at the highest rental rate you could get with the best tenant you could achieve and you'd want the least downtime. If you're gonna sell your house, you know, and you could sell mm-hmm. for a thousand, even though it was only worth 400,000, if your agent said, hey, I, I can find someone to pay 500, you would say, great, sell it for 500. Um, it's the same thing with commercial real estate is, is the landlord wants the best terms for themselves. They hire representation for themselves and a lot of times those listing agents, they'll be cordial, they'll be nice, and they'll try to get you information, but they're trying to facilitate a transaction which is to the benefit of their client. So what you need to do is you need to make sure that if you're if, if you're able to get your own representation, that you can do that. And if you're not able to, that you at least go into it eyes wide open knowing this person doesn't represent me. And you've gotta keep them at an arm's length. You can ask them questions, they can facilitate information, but you've got to keep it at arm's length and say, so I can't trust this person too much because at the end of the day, they actually can't legally give me any advice that helps me in most states. Most states say if you have an exclusive agency agreement with a listing or with a landlord or seller, you can't give advice to the tenant or buyer that helps them because then you're, you're in a dual representation or, or, or uh, you know, you're working for two different people with opposing views. And that's, again, that's challenging. Most states say that's illegal. Um, some states let you do it, but even if they do, there's some parameters and hoop you have to jump through. so um.
2: Wow. So the takeaway is, if possible, seek an independent real estate yeah. professional to um, help you with negotiating, not necessarily negotiating, but um, understanding the market value of where you're looking at and those kinds of things where they're going to have more expertise in that and the, uh, the realtor representing the landlord may not um, be as fruitful in their disclosure about those things to you. As, am, am I understanding correctly?
3: Yeah. And I, w- I would say, I'd clarify, I'd say, if you can find someone to represent your interests exclusively, that that's really the first question is, is can you represent me exclusively or do you represent any of the landlords or sellers in the area that I'm looking. If they represent other landlords or sellers in the area that you're looking, they can't represent you without a conflict of interest. And so you've got to find someone else at that point. If okay. they not have a conflict of interest, then the next question is, are they willing to represent you exclusively? It's to your benefit to have that happen. Um, and then uh, it is both to find the property and it is to negotiate. It's not either or it's both. A lot of times we'll make the mistake. They'll say, well, I already know the property I want. But that's not really the heavy lifting. The heavy lifting comes with getting the best terms possible, realistically, and not to you know diminish this too too small. But I mean, anybody can drive by a property and call on the phone number and say, "I like the building." That's not that's not the hard process. The hard process becomes how do I make sure that I get terms that I'm not overpaying, that I'm getting the right amount of free rent, the right amount of tenant improvement allowance, and again, the reason that's important is because that adds up over a three, five, seven, ten-year term. To be thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, depending on the size of the space and depending on how good or bad a deal you get. And so, um, really, you know, the, the next question would be, well, why wouldn't I get someone to represent me? That usually gets into uh, two aspects. Uh, the first one is cost. People will a lot of times think, well, I don't want to pay for it. In commercial real estate, the tenants don't pay commissions, all right? It's just like residential real estate. If, if you're selling a house, you hire an agent as the seller, and you agree to pay a commission that's usually built for both the listing agent, your agent, and then the buyer's agent, all right? It's very rare in residential to have the buyer pay their agent. It doesn't happen hardly ever. Uh, so it, commercial real estate is really the same thing. Landlords hire agents, so they have property managers. Some will do it themselves, but they're planning on paying a commission to the tenant's agent in almost every transaction. Okay. Now. If- if a tenant shows up without an agent, landlords love to say, well, if you don't have an agent, I'll give you a better deal. Nine times out of 10, they're lying. And they're just saying that because they think they're going to have a better chance of manipulating the tenant and they're going to charge a higher rate without them knowing. So um, I, I joke about that. That's, you know, people always want to talk about a discount. And, and I, I joke about, you know, people say, well, it's 25 cents each, or if you want to buy in bulk, I can get you three for a dollar. <laughs> To stop and do the math on because just people here. If you don't have an agent, I'll give you a better deal. That's usually not true. It usually means we're, you're about to get taken advantage of.
2: Right? They're without, they're happy about that.
3: Yeah, they would never tell that to Starbucks or Chipotle or Charles Schwab or Sherwin Williams or some other retailer. They would never tell them that. They would say, "Hey, you know, we know you know the market. Let's let's start." So the first the first reason people wouldn't have an agent is because uh, is because they think that to pay for it, you don't, if you're a tenant, you should never be paying your real estate agent period. They should always do the work for you. And then they get paid by the landlord or the seller as part of the process. That's a standard transaction. Um, the second reason they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't have an agent is if they couldn't find a good agent or if the deal just wouldn't be attractive to an agent. And let me give you an example. Somewhere to say, Hey, listen, you know, I need a space that is literally a, you know, 10 by 10 room. And I want to do a month, a month or a six month term or a one year term. It's challenging for a commercial agent to do that deal because there's just not enough meat on the bone. That's like someone saying to you, Hey, can I talk to you for five minutes right. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, pay, I'll pay you for five minutes. It's like at one sense, like it's good. Yeah. That's five minutes, but, um, you know, five minutes, I guess it's technically better than zero, but it's, it's actually kind of disruptive because you can't really get what you need to get. You can't really do what you want to do. And, um, it's just not quite there. So if somebody has a standard size space and that's different in every market, if a standard lease, which would be usually a minimum of three years, a lot of times five years, you should be able to hopefully find a good agent to help help represent you. If you have a smaller requirement, shorter term, and and you can't find a good person, don't take it personal, you know, don't get offended. Just say, all right, I just have to do this a little bit differently and I'm going to have to, you know, do some of the lifting myself, but you can still go in there again, eyes wide open and 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 try to avoid some of the most common pitfalls.
2: And what would be the common pitfalls?
3: The common pitfalls would be, you know, overpaying, not getting the right free rent package, um, getting a lease that's, that's completely, uh, you know, Leaving you exposed, uh, you know not having proper proper options to renew your lease, uh, just concepts like that stuff that a, that a, that a qualified experienced tenant representative or tenant advisor would help you make sure that you capitalize on
1: okay
2: well i 'm really glad that you shared about the cost aspect of using a realtor during the process of obtaining a lease. Because like you said, I think that a lot of people do believe that they would be responsible for paying them for that service and, and don't understand that that would be part of the um, the renter's responsibility or the lesser's responsibility.
3: Exactly. And, and a lot of times people will say, all right, well, if I don't pay for it, I'm still going to pay for it because it's going to be part of my lease rate. And that's a fair question to ask or fair statement to make. But in commercial real estate, again, most properties, not every property, there's gonna be some exceptions, but most properties, especially in most major areas, most major metro areas, the landlords have a, a commission set aside for two people. They have a set aside for their agent, their property manager, and then the, the tenant or the buyer's agent. If the landlord chooses to do it themselves, um, they might choose to save half of that fee, but they still are planning on paying an agent in the vast majority of scenarios. And a lot of tenants will think, "Well, if I don't have a broker or an agent, I'll just save that money, but you're not the person determining what the commission is it's It's not like a for sale by owner where if you own the house, you can choose not to hire an agent, and save that portion of the fee. You're not in the position of determining the fee if you're a tenant or buyer. the landlord does that fee and so it, again it it makes sense to think if I don't have an agent, I'd save money, but it's it's a it's a wrong premise because the landlord is expecting to pay commission to the vast majority of tenants they lease to, and the savvier uh, or more experienced or or larger the tenants are that are in the the center the building the area, um, the more accustomed landlords are to paying those commissions.
2: Okay, and so if somebody, you know, if a therapist was going to go out and find a realtor to represent them what are some things that they need to be aware of like who should they be looking for what are some questions they should ask the realtor um, just to kind of gain a sense of whether or not
3: they're the best fit for them absolutely so um, the the first question they should ask them is is if they have any listings in the area that you are going to be looking because that goes back to that conflict of interest we mentioned a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. If if you call someone and they're they're a really quality real estate advisor and they're really good at what they do, but they've got you know they represent two out of the five properties that you want to look at, then right off the bat you've got a problem because they're not going to be able to help you on those two properties without a conflict. Well, if, if they can't help you on two out of the five properties, you know again all of a sudden are they really the best fit? The answer is no. Uh, so. Makes sense. First question is, you know, do you have any properties that you list in this area? If the answer is no, this is, the next question would be great. Do you do you regularly work with tenants um, doing tenant representation? That's the next question. And and they can quantify that. They can say, yes, they say, I, I do. I, I do a lot of tenant representation work. Um, because what we're trying to get to here is you find an agent that doesn't have any listings in this area, but they don't do any tenant work. They're, they're strictly a landlord agent. And so you want to has the specialization to work on the tenant side because it is a different part of the transaction. There's, there's a difference between offense and defense. And, you know, each transaction has a little bit of both, but, you know, again, you, can, you can see this. Again, if, if you are getting audited um, by the IRS, there's a difference if you're on the auditing side, on the IRS side, or if you're the person being audited. If you're going to court, there's a difference between, you know, be, being on the prosecution side or the defense side. There's the same thing On real estate, there's a difference on being on the landlord side or the tenant side, and there's different nuances, and there's different uh, intricacies that, that people are aware of, depending on which side they're more familiar with. So that being said, uh, you want to find somebody that doesn't have a conflict of interest, number one. Number two, that specializes in representing tenants. And then the question or criteria would be, you know, would you represent me if this is my, if this is my, my criteria, my requirement? Uh Excellent. You know what what is that square footage? What is that size? And here's what I can tell you. it's different in every market. It also depends on how busy the person or the agent you're talking to is. And it, you know typically anything above a thousand square feet will get most people's attention. Eight hundred square feet still kind of in that area. If it gets into a larger group practice it's it's you know three, four, five thousand. there's no question with that as far as the square footage, but it just really depends on you know, It depends on the, the whole package. Who, who is the tenant? What is their requirement? What area do they want to be located in? What are the terms? And, and really, that's not much different than a healthcare provider looks at their, their book of business. If, if, if you are so busy that you can't, you can't get people in to see you for a very, very long time, that, that affords you the right to charge more for your services. It, mm-hmm. it, it affords you the right to be more selective as far as who you see, you know, how you, how you operate your practice. It's really the same thing for real estate is there's some agents that have time to chase any deal and they're happy to because they're building their book of business. And there's other agents that are, that are really busy and they can barely, you know, finish the day without having 10 phone calls and 50 emails un, on, to. So it just depends on who you're talking to.
2: No, that makes sense. And I think those are, those are excellent questions um, to ask. So, I know we've mostly been spending time talking about the leasing portion of things, but when would you say it's advantageous for a healthcare provider uh, to consider purchasing a commercial property instead of leasing?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Really, what it comes down to is, uh, you know, what is the what's the effective cost of owning versus leasing? That's that's usually one of the primary places that we start. And what I mean by that is, is what is the cost up front if you were to compare a, a chance to lease versus a chance to own? What's the check you're cutting per month? Um, another area that we get more, uh, more detailed is what type of tax benefits are you going to get leasing versus owning, and then ultimately. You, one of the reasons people own and one of the primary reasons that that ownership is attractive is you get the principal pay down you know you're, you're paying down the mortgage every month your principal pay down uh is part of you building equity your net worth going up and so that's very attractive to a lot of people so we talk about this what's the effective cost of owning versus leasing what's the month-by-month month check you cut what's it look like after tax deductions what's it look like after principal pay down and and those are the economic places that we spend the most time you know. A quick way to say this would be, you know, if you have a chance to lease a space and it's going to cost you three thousand dollars a month, but if you want to own that space, it's going to cost you ten thousand a month. I mean, you can determine real quickly: are you want to put an extra seven thousand dollars towards that? You know, even if a couple thousand per month, that's principal. Even if you pick up some more tax deductions, you still have to say, "Hey, just you know, month by month up front." No, I'm not going to cut that that big of a check. Um, if you're talking about leasing a space for three thousand dollars and there's a chance to buy you know, a smaller building or an office condo and and your total payment would be $3,000. All of a sudden that's, you know, that's very clear. Hey, let's, let's go to the next level and let's look at this thing further. Um, so economics play a huge role in it. Um, another thing that plays a big role in it is what's your current needs now versus future needs. If you could buy a space or a building and it fits you now, but you know, for a fact in five years, it's not going to fit you. That's probably not the best decision to purchase commercial real estate because, Commercial real estate is a lot harder to get in and out of than residential real estate. Residential real estate, everyone needs a home. Everyone needs a roof, needs a bathroom, a kitchen. It's not the same thing with commercial. So uh, anyone that drives by a house technically is is in the market at some point in time for a house, or they know someone's in the market for a house. Commercial real estate, you could have you know 10,000 cars drive by and not one of them would be interested in your property for some reason or know anybody interested. So uh, short-term goals, long-term goals, that plays, uh, that plays a big aspect of it. Um, you know, other, other concepts of, is this the area town you want to be in, you know, for the next 10, 15, 20 years, uh, should you buy a building that just accommodates your needs or that has other tenants Are there other synergistic practices or neighbors you'd want to have, you'd want to have in your area that plays into it. Um, another thing that plays into it, uh, as one of the the most uh, common maker breaks is, is there anything even available for sale in the area you want to be in?
2: (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. Because sometimes you're looking and everything that's in your price range is kind of gross. And that's exactly right. (laughs) And then there's a huge investment of money of having to do all the upgrades once you get in there.
3: Yeah. 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 The the cost of entrance, you know, what's, what's that look like? If you can lease a space and the landlord will pay for all of the tenant finish, we'll give you basically, you know, again, brand new flooring, brand new paint, you know, build it out the way you want with a number of rooms. You want a break room, you want a private, you want this separate exit, all things that you want. If, if the landlord will pay for that up front as part of your commitment of a, you know, five or seven year lease term. And all you do is come out of pocket for a security deposit. And then you get three, four months of free rent and pay, whatever it is per month versus in a purchase, you have to go you know, stroke a, a large check for the down payment. You have to do a bunch of improvements and you're on the hook for everything. You know, again, that may or may not be attractive for certain people. Now here's what I'll tell you. Uh, we love, we love ownership and, and and owning real estate can be a phenomenal investment. It can be a phenomenal way to diversify your assets. It can be a way to create additional revenue streams. So it's it's not it's not a yes or no. I think like when it comes to residential, again, it's maybe it's different if you're downtown Manhattan, but if you're, you know, in a, in most major markets, people will say, Well, it's better to own than lease, and they'll give you the reasons why when it comes to your home or residential situation. And that may or may not be true depending on the market. In commercial, that statement's always better to own than lease, is is not always true. And and sometimes it can be rarely true because there's so many other variables, especially with a healthcare provider, where you know how long do you want to be there? How long will it satisfy your needs? Do you do you want to spend the money to get into the investment? Would you actually save a ton of money if you just leased and the landlord gave you a bunch of concessions? What's your exit strategy? Do you want to just turn the lights off, close the doors and be done with your practice? you want to sell your practice? And so there's just so many more variables there that you just have to evaluate each one of them.
2: Right. It I, it sounds like there's no easy answer. It It, it's, it depends. It depends on a lot of different things, but um, I do think it's worth talking about because, in the right markets, owning your property could potentially save you uh, lots of money um, over the course of 10 or 15 years of operating your business. Where, when you're in a commercial lease, chances are that rent is going to continue to. Go up little by little over the years, but owning you have a little more control because you know what the
3: mortgage is um, for the loan. Yeah, you, you hit some great points. There, there's a lot of positives on on ownership. If it's the right property, if if you have the financial ability to make it happen, both to start and then to maintain it, and, and it's going to meet your needs for a long time, it can be a fantastic. It can be a fantastic investment. The challenge becomes if the building isn't properly maintained or it, you know, all of a sudden you need to put in a new parking lot and you need to put in a new HVC and there's things mm-hmm. that maybe creep up on you that you weren't anticipating, it's very easy to lose years and years worth of equity or principal paid down or profits with large capital expenses on a commercial property that you're not aware of. And so you just, again, you just have to make sure that you understand what you're getting into. If you do, you can plan for it. You, you can consider it and it's great. Um, but you know, depending on the size of the building, I mean, it's not uncommon to put, you know, $50,000 into a brand new roof. It's not uncommon to put, you know, fifty to a hundred thousand dollars into a brand new parking lot, stuff like that. And so, uh, again, depending on the size of the building, depending on the quality of the building, if, if you can make sense of the numbers upfront and then on an ongoing basis, and you're in a secure place financially, and it's going to meet your needs the long term, I would look at it, uh, no question, but I would also just make sure that people are aware of. It's, it's not as easy as residential. The loans are more challenging. The upkeep's a lot more expensive in most scenarios, and getting out of it is a lot more challenging as well, too. So you just have to make sure that you understand the process.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think that goes back to finding somebody um, to represent your interests again and working with somebody in that process. Exactly. Seems like it would be very important. Both sides, either leasing or buying.
3: Exactly. I mean, one of the things that we talk about uh, is that your best scenario is to know all your options. I mean, if you have a requirement in a certain area, if there's options for lease and for sale, you should look at you should look at both options. You should look at all your options. You don't need to look at properties that you know for a fact you can't afford. You only look at properties that you know for a fact you would never want to occupy because they're just such low quality. But you take the criteria and the requirements you have, and then you take the properties that meet those criteria. And then you should go look at them. I mean, you get in and out of a property in literally 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. And so take the, take the extra 15, 20 minutes to get inside a few extra properties. And then at that point, you know what you're dealing with. And that's, you know, that information and that knowledge gives you the ability to make the best decision for your practice. Mm-hmm.
2: So informed decision-making is important in all aspects of life.
3: <laughs> I agree.
2: For sure. Well, is there anything else that you think would be important for therapists to know about this process that we didn't cover? I feel like we covered a lot of information.
3: Yes, we, <laughs> we have covered a lot. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I guess I would say the last point I made as far as making sure you see your top options, that's paramount. That's really important. I think if I was to leave you guys with one more point, I would just say, uh, do the best you can not to get emotional during the process. All right. Mm -hmm. Understand that it is a business transaction. And I realize that people do business with people that they, they like that, that a lot of times there, there are emotions that are part of transactions. That's, that's, I get that. But you have to realize that, that it is a business transaction. The landlord wants the best deal that he or she can make. You want the best deal that you you can make. And so, again, if you flip the tables and said, hey, what if I told you I can get you two or three years worth of free rent if you sign up a, a, a seven-year deal? And you say, man, that'd be amazing. Well, that, that'd be amazing because it benefits you. Would you care that the landlord doesn't make any, any money for the first three years? You'd probably say, well no, I don't like care because it's good for me. And if it's good for me, I don't like care about the other party. And so, I mean, you're not trying to be mean, but that's just, that's the way life works. If I told you, you know, if you went to the store, they give you a a free cell phone that costs $1,200 and you'd you'd say, that's great. Let's go do that. If you flip it, but do you care that that person just lost the upside of that cell phone? You say, well, no, it must be worth it to them because they, you know, they'll make it up on the service charges or whatever. My point being is when it comes to any transaction, both sides want the best deal possible. Sometimes you can find a deal that's so fair because there's so many, so many comps and so many other comparisons that nobody would argue about it. But most time when it comes to real estate, there's a difference between a good deal and a great deal or mm. a, a bad deal. And that difference can be, you know, could be thousands per year, could be tens of thousands per year and go beyond there. And then when you start to, you know, accumulate those, those either positives or negatives, you get a good deal those savings, you get a bad deal that access payment every month that you could have avoided, it gets to be a substantial amount of money. And so the, the point being there is you can't get emotional. You can't you can't uh, you can't lose your cool. You have to go in there, have have the facts, be informed. If you can get an advisor to help you, get an advisor to help you and then and then try to get the best deal you can possibly get because it's going to affect your profitability substantially.
2: Absolutely. It's it is the second Um, the second highest expense that I have for my business, the other expense would be paying the other people that work with me that that expense is higher, but the next one underneath that is the rent for the year. So it, it really makes a huge difference.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Well, Colin, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out to talk to me today. I really hope the listeners find um, all the value that you delivered in our conversation. There's so many great tips and um, I think knowledge that people might not be aware of if they've never gone into um, reaching out to rent commercially. and So I think that will be very helpful. If listeners wanted to reach out to you or learn more about your company, where would they best find you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find us is our website and that is car.us, C-A-R-R.us. And in the upper right-hand corner of our website, we have have two options for people. One is you can click uh, a button to get a free lease or purchase evaluation. And so if you have a current lease and you want to know how it compares to the market, what it would look like if you want to buy real estate in your area. Um, Should you move or should you stay in your space, we can get you that information. We're happy to provide that at no charge because it'll help you make the best decision for your practice. So that's one option. Um, The other uh, option right next to that is you can click to find an agent. And we have we have agents coast to coast. We do transactions in every state. Um, We're doing stuff in Alaska, Hawaii, Florida, Washington, California, Maine, et cetera. And so we have agents that that cover almost every part of the country. And if you want to have a conversation with someone that knows the market locally, um, that you can just start picking their brain on or or developing a relationship with, um, that's the best way to connect with someone in our company.
2: That's wonderful. Um, Thank you so much for for sharing that information. That's great to know that it doesn't matter where listeners may be in the US, um, they can contact somebody who's knowledgeable in their local area. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, take care.
3: You too. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks so much for
0: listening to this encore episode. I hope you found it helpful if, you know, ever you're going to um, look to lease a commercial property. Um, having somebody to advocate for you and educate you on what you can ask for um, is actually really helpful. And um, yeah, so if you are in the, uh, you know, space where you're looking for a unit yourself, check out if one of Colin's agents uh, are in your community.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.